This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the post-Christmas edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call this Game Plan, and it's game week as we count down to the Sugar Bowl and the start of conference basketball. Toby will join us in a little bit of a different way today. T-Row was traveling with his family, so we had a chance to interview. He had a chance to interview on his radio show, Rod Bramlett, the play-by-play voice of Auburn Tiger football and basketball. So we'll bring that to you coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. Also, she is on the road as we speak now, flying to New Orleans with the Oklahoma football team. Jessica Cootie will take us inside some of the storylines that she's looking forward to diving into whenever the team arrives in New Orleans. So again, it is a very busy week for Sooner Athletics. Is Depending on when you're consuming this, either uh, today or tomorrow, we'll just lay it all out for you, today or tomorrow being Monday or Tuesday. Uh, on Monday, the advanced team, uh, the trucks, some of the communication devices, all the practice necessities, all arrived in New Orleans to start preparing for the Sugar Bowl. The team will leave on Tuesday, and they'll have the airport press conference, as they typically do, and will focus on football in counting down to Monday's Sugar Bowl. The official party leaves on the 1st. We will take the Sooner Sports Podcast on the road with us this Thursday for the start of the women's basketball conference season, as we'll be in Lawrence with Sherry Cole's team. Uh, Then on Friday, Toby is going to be back in Norman getting ready for, or getting ready not only for the Sugar Bowl, but the start of the conference basketball season as Oklahoma will take on Baylor at home on the men's side on Friday night. So we'll have all kinds of coverage, not just of the Sugar Bowl, but obviously a big time for basketball as the women's team and the men's team both start their conference season. So Jessica Cootie coming up a little bit later on in the podcast, but what do you say we kick this thing off talking a little bit about the Sugar Bowl? It's Oklahoma, it's Auburn, it's upon us, and Toby Rowland had a chance to talk OU Auburn and the Sugar Bowl showdown with the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers, Rod Bramley. Rod, this uh, break before the bowl game, I think uh, fortunately for Auburn and perhaps unfortunately for Oklahoma, means it sounds like that pretty much everybody's getting healthy on your side of things going into this game. Yeah, and, and that's that's big. And, and I think, uh, you know, Sean White, the uh, starting quarterback, will be healthy. Cameron Pett, he's going to be 100%. Carry on Johnson, even, even though he played um, all the way through the end, he was about 70%, maybe even less than that. So, uh, and, 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 some guys on defense were a little dinged up, so I think everyone is healthy, and and that is big, particularly for Auburn offensively. Um, I think I think the fan base got a little frustrated down the stretch when when Sean White was was not healthy, Cameron Pethway was not healthy, uh, and all of a sudden the offense just went down in the down in the tank. And I think fans were like, "How in the world can two guys make that big a difference?" Well, those two pretty good, two pretty good players. So I think that's 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 what's exciting. Auburn's at 100, percent and I think offensively they finally they, they found a, a, an identity about three four games into the season, running the football and uh, with, with Cameron Petway and and then Carry On Johnson to complement him. Um, so it's um, you know that that the, the break has come at a very good time for this Auburn team, particularly on the offensive side. The uh, scouting report from afar. 
uh, on Auburn is great defense. Their offense has struggled this year, but it's been a quest. I mean, it's been a journey on the offensive side because of all the injuries and everything. What does this offense look like when everybody is healthy? Yeah, it's it's one of the, the strangest things I've ever witnessed. Normally at this level, when, when, when the opposition knows exactly what you're going to do and they don't respect, uh, in Auburn's case, the passing game, and so they know that, that you're going to try and run it a lot and they still can't stop you, that says something about not only the, the, the running backs you have, but obviously the, the offensive line and the play calling, the execution. That's what, that, that's what Auburn became uh, during their six-game winning streak. They became a team that just said, listen, we're going to run it. You know, We don't care if you know it or not. And they did it with a great deal of success. When Cameron Petway went out, when Sean White went out, his decision-making, because Sean is not an athletic quarterback. He's a he's he's a little bit more than a game manager, but he's not a Nick Marshall. Uh, he he can run a little bit, but he's more you know he's the guy that puts you in good situations, uh, running the zone read, making the right decisions. Um, so when those two guys went out, then all of a sudden the identity went out the window a little bit. And I think I think the coaches started grasping a little bit and, and trying to, to to find find ways to to throw the football. And it's just not their strength. So. Uh, you know, with, with Cameron Petway back and, and Sean White back, I think you will see that Auburn identity of, listen, we, we'll, we'll throw it when we have to, but we're, we're, not, we're not trying to fool you here. We're, we're going to run the football. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pound you in the middle. It's a physical run attack. People a little bit, you know, um, there's a misnomer with Gus Malzahn. They think he spreads you out and he's all rink-a-dink and, you know, try to run left and right. <laughs> stretch the field that direction, which he will occasionally, but he's all about punching you in the mouth with the running game. So I think you will see that with the return of Cameron Petway and, and, and Sean White at quarterback. Talk to me about Carl Lawson and this, this Auburn defense a little bit. What, what has impressed you the most on that side of the ball this year? Well, one thing, they stayed away from injuries. They stayed away from key injuries, particularly Carl Lawson, who had and to that point of an injury-riddled career. Um, and, and, you know, you look at Carl's numbers, and early in the season, they, they weren't great, but just his presence, I think, helped everyone else. Um, and, and as the season progressed, those numbers started coming, those tackles for loss, those quarterback hurries, those sacks. But, um, you know, I, I, I think depth on the defensive line is, is the whole key for this Auburn defense, and they have tremendous depth across the front. I mean, getting Montrevious Adams to come back for his senior season, he played both tackle and end. Uh, they have a true fresh freshman in Marlon Davidson who will, who will be uh, the next Carl Lawson. He's a different kind of player than Carl Lawson. He's a little bigger, but he has the same kind of pass rush skills. Um, Auburn will go nine deep on the defensive line, maybe ten deep at times during the course of a game. So I think that just sets everything else up. The linebacking core was so much better than it was a year ago. They, it's not that they added a ton more depth. They, they just had a year under their belt. And, and then the Auburn secondary on the back end, they have some experienced guys led by Josh Holsey and Trey Matthews. So, you know, I think one is just staying away from injuries and, and the depth of the defensive line just allowed everybody else to, to, to be that much better.
Knowing what you know about Oklahoma, and I don't know how far you into in the game prep at this point, but I'm sure you've seen them a few times. Um, what concerns you about the matchup? Well, as good as Auburn's defense is, Oklahoma's offense has been that has been that good or better. Um, so I just I just think slowing down the Oklahoma offense enough to allow Auburn's offense to find that identity of running the football. And Auburn's not when you know something else. Uh, Auburn runs the football a ton, but they're not real interested in time of possession either. Uh, it's it's odd. It's uh, um, they're looking for big plays with the run game. It's not like they're grinding it out, driving the football every time they get it when they're having success for five six minute drives. They just want to establish the run game. They don't have they don't care how quickly they get it done. But I think I think for the Auburn defense to get off the field as quickly as possible to allow the offense to do what hopefully they do best is, is the biggest key. And that's the greatest challenge. Um, I mean, Oklahoma's offense, we were talking about it as a radio crew. Oh, I guess maybe the week after the Alabama game and really outside of Jalen Hurts and Chad Kelly at Ole Miss, Jalen Hurts at Alabama, Auburn's not playing an elite quarterback. And, and Toby, they'll face one. <laughs> They'll face one in New Orleans, so that'll be an interesting challenge. I had a chance to catch up by phone with Jessica Cootie, and as she prepares for not only her trip to the Sugar Bowl, uh, but also the start of the women's college basketball season, wanted our conference season, excuse me, I wanted to kind of get her perspective on not just the Sugar Bowl, not just the women's basketball team, but also something cool that we do every single year at Soonersports.com, which is counting down the top ten features. And we get to number one. Will Jess tell us what number one is? Probably not. But it started with number ten, and it started with a plan. Yes, I, I picked them all. Um, I kind of – I had a couple extra that um, I had just said, okay, you pick between these two. <laughs> to Tori because I couldn't say it so it's not to him that I can't pick and so I just said you pick between these two and um, then I kind of have I had the top I guess like six pretty set and then I just said you know you kind of pick which which ones you think should go and uh, how they should go in the, the last five the ones that are coming out like these next these uh, first five that are coming out I guess I should say so um, I pretty much kind of I think it's it's kind of, to me, it was pretty obvious which ones were up there and which ones kind of were, were the top ones and of the year and kind of had the most impactful stories. And not that they all don't. Obviously, I love right. them all and love telling all the stories. But, uh, you know, I kind of went with the ones that really uh, hit, hit struck a chord for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, and I love, so if you go to Soonersports.com, in fact, it's the, it's the headline story right now on Soonersports.com. Do we do one a day, or is it going to be one every other day, Jess? How are they going to kind of do the countdown? One every day? I, I'm not sure because Torres texted question. me last Friday and said, um, uh, give me your, if you could give me a list of your top ten features, and I'm going to air them between Christmas and New Year's. So I don't know if that ah. means, like, um, maybe a couple of days we'll have two of them or what, but um, it sounds like they're all going to come out in the next week. It's only six days, so yeah, he might have to double that bad boy up. But I mean, if can I register? I mean, I know it's too late, but I can't throw in a vote here for the one that had me crying like a like a little baby, right? I mean, the Kelsey Arnold <laughs> feature has got it's got to be in this list, right? Yes, it's on the list. Okay, all right. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny because I last year we did it where we talked, we counted down the top ten um, football features, and um, right. um, you know, I think Tori wanted to do more of the all sports, so I had to go back and you know go back to, <laughs> from January to January, and so I hadn't seen some of these in a while, and I was just like kind of getting emotional myself, you know, like going back and watching them because I hadn't seen them in so long, but Kelsey Arnold was one of them, and um, the Curtis King Fisher were uh, the softball, oh. um, Marie yeah. Mena, who had passed away, donated her organ and uh, to, the, to the little boy at the time, he was 12, and ended up saving his life, um, and he came out and visited this year. That was one of them, and then you can probably guess which football ones are up there this year. Well, I, I will say this. As far as probably a football one that won't end up up there because, you know, it just came down. The Jordan Wade feature, I don't know if we had a chance because we were off on Friday, and I think it dropped uh, on Friday. And I, I know sometimes we get caught up, or it'll get lost, the role that the interior defensive line or that an offensive line might make. But I, I really dug the feature on Jordan Wade, Jess. He doesn't talk much. He's kind of a quiet guy. I think he did interviews with us after the Houston game, and, you know, didn't really do much the rest of the year. Not, not by choice, not because he's negative. He's just a quiet dude. And to kind of see a little bit more of his story, I thought that was really cool because this is a guy that probably deserves more spotlight than he gets and played a lot more snaps than even his coach wanted him to play, but they needed him. I thought it was really cool. What stood out to you on the Jordan Wade feature? Yeah, I mean, that, that was just it. Just Coach Thibodeau talking about how, you know, you wish you could have two or three of these guys that, you know, while – Every throughout the year, you might have players that end up on a, you know, a list that oh, you, that you didn't go to class or you missed a meeting or something like that. You know, he's never in his in his entire career as a Sooner has he ever been on one of those lists. He's always at practice on time. He always works really hard. He takes care of his business in the classroom. He's, um, you know, uh, just a leader in the meeting rooms, and he's just a uh, he's just one of those solid guys that you. Can Wish you know, as, as Coach Thibodeau said, that you could have your whole room full of them, you know. So, um, and and Coach Stoops has said it a lot that he's a guy that kind of deserves to have a little bit more recognition, a little bit more, um, you know, getting his name out there a little bit. But he's just he's been rock solid. He might not be flashy, but he's just been rock solid. And um, so that was kind of the thought on on that is. You know, we wanted to kind of he, – he also won the Don Key Award, which is, you know, really yep. special to the Oklahoma football program. And so we wanted to kind of maybe do a little feature on him. Um, you know, the bowl, the bowl shows, the bowl features, um, I, they're, because it's only a 30-minute show for practice reports, the game days are typical, an hour long, but, like, the, the, uh, the practice reports are, are shorter, so the, the features had to be a little bit shorter. But, um, you know, it was – pretty pretty cool to kind of get to, to talk to him because he doesn't like to do interviews. He's kind of a little bit like Samaji in that regard in that, you know, it's a, he's all about his teammates and doesn't like to, you know, talk about himself much and, um, you know, likes to give credit to everyone else and just kind of do his job. That's, that's what he doesn't – he kind of sees it as, I shouldn't get a lot of recognition if I'm just doing my job, you know, and, and that's kind of what he is, but um, – so I thought it was neat to kind of get to do something on him, and um, that one's out, and then the Jimbo Elrod feature's out. So the, the Elrod feature is really good, and like you said, uh, you had, you had dug up some footage where Jimbo and, and all of the different historical pieces we've done on Sooner football was kind of 
telling stories in his own word. I love that you, you talked about it last Wednesday. The ham sandwich story was was great. And <laughs> I mean, just to think that he needed some food in order to get through the game, and it made all the difference in the world. But if you haven't had a chance, and, and I know that uh, we've got a little bit of time before Jimbo's funeral, uh, but I, I think everyone should should do themselves a favor and log on to SoonerSports.tv and watch that one as well, too. Now, uh, just real quick before we break, coverage-wise, oh, someone's actually calling. Coverage-wise, Jess, uh, you guys start the actual football practice reports on December 29th. So you get it on the 27th. you got a couple of days to get the lay of the land, a few press conferences. But uh, it's, it's almost like you hit the ground running because when you get down, you automatically start working on interviews and features. And you guys have shows pretty much right away. This is great coverage for Sooner fans, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of what we do every year with, with bowl coverage. We get out there and do you know, four shows from practices, kind of breaking down the matchup, and then we have our regular game day show. But then in addition to that, we'll be covering um, covering a lot of the events. Um, we'll be doing practice reports like we typically do that you can check out on, uh, you know, Soonersports.tv, Soonersports.com. I do also believe, so Blake and Buddy are playing each other while they're out there. Of course, Blake's not playing, but the Clippers and Pelicans. Right. So we're going to try to get out there and talk to uh, those guys as well. So, we're going to have stuff coming out online every single day, but then also uh, Soonersports.tv slash schedule. You can check out when all of the shows are actually airing on yep. on, and, uh, on the Funk Sports family of networks. Is there a storyline, an on-the-field storyline that stands out to you more than, than another right now? I mean, I can remember whenever we went a couple of years ago with Alabama, one of the big storylines was, you know, can, can the Sooners get some momentum going into next year? Is Trevor Knight the guy? Is he going to stay healthy? You know, will, will they have anything for Alabama? It, it seems as if there's kind of an obvious different feel because these weren't two teams that were the national championship picture, at least in most of the country's opinion, heading into that final weekend. But is there a storyline that seems to be permeating on the field right now between these two teams that you've been able to spot yet? Because I haven't. No, not yet. I think the biggest thing for me to watch out for is is uh, can Samaje P. Ryan um, become the all-time leading rusher? Yeah. You know, he needs what, like I think, eighty-two yards. Um, so, uh, and you know, it hadn't come out yet whether he's uh, going to stay or go, or, or kind of what his plans are. So, uh, I'd be interested to see if he can if he can get that record before he leaves. Do you have a and, – and we don't get into this too much, but do you have a feel one way or the other? Um, and, and I know that you get to talk to a lot of guys, but I haven't been able to get a feel one way or the other with either Samaje or Joe kind of which way they're leaning right now. Have you? No, I, I haven't. I actually am probably going to be um, sitting – hopefully going to be sitting down with Samaje when we get to New Orleans. But, oh, um, you know, I was supposed to be able to do it, get to talk to him before we left. But uh, with schedules, it's kind of – it gets really crazy when they start doing kind of because their practice schedule changes and they've got other meetings and obligations and stuff. So um, I wasn't able to get to to talk to him before. So hopefully we'll get to talk to him there and maybe I can um, get a better feel. But I just I just don't yet. I just don't know. I don't know if they're kind of waiting to see kind of what that uh, projection is. You know, then they send off to the NFL or or what. Um, but you know, when uh, Joe kind of. When he met with the media, he, he you know, was, would say uh, often that I'm just kind of focused on this game, this, this game with my team. And so I, I just, I haven't, I don't, got a, I don't have a good feel for either one yet. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, I, I, I want to shift because we, we don't have a ton of time, but I, I want to talk a little bit of basketball because I go straight from here to Lawrence to cover the conference opener. 
And I know that was a tough loss just last weekend for the Sooner women's team against Cal. Uh, but they bounced back and pulled away from Portland State late. And, man, Maddie Manning is just – she's really playing good basketball right now. What, what's kind of sparked her, you think? I think she's realized that, um, you know, that she – I think that's one thing that like, her and, and Coach Cole have, have spoken about is, you know, she's always been a player that wants to – pass and get her teammates involved you know she's kind of always been a, a point guard and uh, this team needs for her to be more aggressive and and look for her shot they they just do you know I think when we saw the season start it was so much uh, on BB and BB was kind of scoring and, and and dominating and kind of doing whatever she wanted to down there in the post but as teams have become um more committed to taking BB out of the game. They've needed somebody else to step up and make things happen. And Maddie has kind of taken on that role, and she's kind of embraced it a little bit, kind of uh, realizing that um, she can and needs to. And, you know, she just causes such magic problems with people because she can handle the ball, but she's playing the four a lot of times. Um, you know, so she's, she's tall but she is very good at putting them on the ground and making things happen. But then she can also shoot the three. So she's so versatile that I think she's kind of starting to um, really understand how she can use that to her advantage and, and help this team. 30, uh, 17 points, 10 steals in 33 minutes. I mean, she's not taking much of a break. And then you consider overall this team and what they're doing defensively, Nine and three right now on what was that? Was, was last game Saturday or Saturday? Twenty-seven steals and they forced forty-two turnovers. I mean that that's like a three-game stretch for some teams in what they forced turnovers uh, turnover-wise against Portland State this past weekend. It's a really good defensive basketball team, it appears. Yeah, and they're trying to be uh, you know better in, on that end and. They're taking a lot of pride in that, and um, you know, I talked to Maddie. I think it was their last, maybe their last home game. Jay, we still have a ways to go, but um, you know what she said. Uh, it was a single game record, right? Her steals, and she had, yep. she got two more than what the single game record was, I think. So, um, you know, she, uh, you know, they're they're definitely trying to to take a little bit more pride in that area. They know that they're they're going to have to, um, especially because they haven't shot the ball as well as I, I think that they can. And so if, if the, the three is not going down like, they, like it, it can and needs to, then I think that's where they realize that they're going to have to make things happen on the defensive end and, and create some offense that way. So I think they, it's just kind of something that they're, they're taking a little bit more pride in this season. Yeah, and then just real quick, uh, the men's team getting ready to tip off their conference uh, schedule here in a couple of days. I, I think that we've been pretty consistent on this thought, and that's going to be, what, uh, what's the 30th? Is that Thursday? Friday. They tip off conference play against Baylor uh, at home. Jess, I, I think that the key here is you can't get too down on this team because we've said it all along. This is going to be a work in progress for Coach Kruger here in 2016 and into 2017, and you just kind of hope you continue to see some of these young guys, the Jordan Shepherds of the world, that step up and improve and continue to get better. Yeah, and, you know, I was really encouraged by the way that they battled back into the game against Auburn without Jordan Woodard. With Jordan Woodard on the yep. bench, I think you saw a lot of, grit and um, uh, potential from those younger guys, I'm, which I've said all along that I'm really excited about the freshman class, and you saw them kind of step up. I mean, at one, one point there were three freshmen and two sophomores on the floor in a tight ball game down the stretch where you're fighting to get back in it. And Auburn's young, too, but still, you know, that's 
pretty much a, I mean, that's a road game and, uh, you know, a, a team that was, was uh, fighting really hard as well. And, you know, to get back into it the way that they did, I, I think was really encouraging, especially, again, without Jordan Woodard. And had you had, you know, Jordan Woodard on the floor, maybe you have a different outcome. But either way, you know, it was, again, another good learning experience because you never know. Um, you know, if Jordan gets in foul trouble or, or what, uh, you're going to have to be able to make things happen without him. And I, so I think that was a good experience for them as well. Boy, they have a lot of good um, uh, – they have some – they're battle-tested, you know, uh, yep. after the non-conference that they've had. And it's not an easy one to open up the gate with Baylor, but um, I think that, that they've got some good experience. And, again, you're going to continue to see them grow and I you know you don't want them peaking right now anyways you want them to continue to, to build and build and build and I think you're going to see this team do that so there you have it uh, the Sooner Sports Podcast a lot of football to get you ready for the Sugar Bowl a little bit of basketball to get you ready for conference season but again as I said Thursday's Sooner Sports Podcast the tailgate will not only have a little bit of uh, prep for the Sugar Bowl but Toby's going to join us and we'll preview basketball men's and women's as Lon Kruger's team Tips things off in the Lloyd Noble Center on Friday against Baylor and Sherry Cole's team on Thursday against Kansas. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, leave a review, leave a rating, and we'll always do our best to bring you the inside story on Sooner Athletics. Everyone have a great post-holiday week, a great countdown to the Sugar Bowl. And until we talk again on Thursday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.